0: You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents, which you can also access in text form at CortezCurrents.ca. Today, we bring you part four of our five part series, a conversation about the Cortez Death Care Collective, a volunteer association dedicated to a healthier relationship with death and dying. I interview Margaret for sure, with an occasional comment from Emma Tius on what the collective does and what it can offer to Cortez residents. In this episode, we'll explore choices in dying, how we can try to make our funerals reflect our values within limits and the importance of planning. It's never too soon to consider your death and your wishes of what might be a good death, your idea of a good death. Okay. This kind of connects a little bit to the the MAID program. I think I see that as part of the big picture uh, of it being a very civilized, very humane thing to allow people to decide what is a good death for them. It seems like that's almost part of your big sphere of community yeah. death care here. I think
1: I think that it's more about choice. And sometimes we don't know what our choices are. So yes, made is a choice and it's becoming a very well-known choice, but there are other choices that maybe are more natural that people need to know about as well, like voluntarily stopping eating and drinking is a choice that's not talked about and the lack of hospice care in Campbell River is appalling so when we talk about maid we need to put it into the context of choice if hospice care isn't available and voluntary stopping eating and drinking isn't supported really do you have much choice so so i think it's more our our group is more about death awareness And knowing what our choices are and if our choices aren't real choices to change the situation so that people are given real choice. And to have real choice, you need knowledge, you need awareness, and you need the choices to exist. For example, natural burial isn't a real choice if it's not available in your community.
0: Does the regulatory framework, VHA rules, etc., actually support someone choosing to die in their home that's a real issue or i mean if a person is ready to go wants to go they're refusing food does the regulatory framework allow that to happen or do they say no you're abusing that person if you're not forcing them to eat and keeping them as live as long as possible i mean where does the law constrain people's choices and where is it just taboo and tradition and unawareness Mm -hmm.
1: I think people always have the right to consent to their own care and to refuse medical treatment and to make their own choices. I think where the difficulty is, is the awareness of those choices and the support around those choices. So if a person did decide that they wanted to stop eating and drinking and have a... a if if that's the death that they wanted, Is there support for that? I'm not so sure there is. And it's not... I think our whole medical system is geared to keeping people alive. And maybe we need a a different side of the medical system to help people to die well.
0: We seem to be devoted to keeping people alive, even if not well. But to to be so dedicated to that saving of life that we're unable to imagine dying well because it's like dying is bad dying is bad you know so and and so seems to be a a step of imagination needed to to introduce the idea that it is possible to die better or to die worse and it would be good to choose a good death rather than a bad death and Mm -hmm. right now we're not we're only beginning to start that conversation i think
1: yeah, and I know there's been talk about, well, you can't really plan for a good death. And and I understand what they're saying. You You can plan for the type of childbirth you want. It doesn't mean it's going to happen the way you plan it. But I do still think there's a lot of value in planning it because it's more likely to have it as you planned if you have a plan. <laughs> and if we don't plan our death it's pretty likely that it's going to be the status quo and most of us have issues with that and yet, unless we're proactive, that's the way it's going
0: to go. I suppose you have to be very careful about what you do not to step on funeral director territory, but is it possible that a group like yours could hold custody of people's intentions document for them? Like somebody could write a document and give it to you guys and say, this is what I want. That's exactly what we're encouraging. We have the documents.
1: Yeah, I just handed Emma some. (laughs) We have some documents called My Wishes, and it gives a framework for outlining what people want. It also gives some authority to the volunteer group. Because as volunteers, we are not next of kin. We don't have the authority in some cases to act. So it's the executor named in the will that has authority over the body. Now, when a lot of people make their wills, they're simply thinking about their earthly possessions, not realizing that it's also their earthly body that they're putting into the hands of the executor. The executor may not be the person they actually want to have authority over their body. Maybe they want community that death care volunteers to have that authority. Maybe they've had discussions with us and told us what they want, and we've documented it. So yeah, we do ask them to say, okay, dear executor, these are the people that know what I want done with my body after death.
0: It may be that the executor or those who end up responsible for, at the end of life, or their loved one or their family member may not know the wishes and may be happy to carry those wishes out but not know. And so it, we have that opportunity to identify and have those conversations, identify the wishes and either implement them ourselves or guide those who are responsible in the process. We could easily imagine, especially some older people who are a bit distant from their kin imagine even conflict arising. say some siblings are dealing with the death of a parent, and one of the siblings is very conventional and you know, wants to put Dad in the family plot in the cemetery back home, but the other sibling knows that that's not what Dad wanted. And mm-hmm. so to have a clear written document from Dad saying, "I want to be buried in my blanket in Welltown Cemetery would be very helpful.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you guys are offering that as uh, to keep custody of those documents and make sure that people's last wishes concerning their remains are carried out as best as best we can. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Okay. We are really encouraging that. It it's it's hard to come in when a death has just occurred. It's so much it's so much more fulfilling when the person, the deceased person has already expressed their wishes and that we are facilitating the carrying out of those wishes it feels so much better to everyone involved so it's a real gift that you can give to those that that are going to be responsible for your body after you after you die we you know there's so much emphasis put on people's possessions and making sure you have a will making sure you have a power of attorney and those things are important but that's not the... Those things are important. It's also important to share your wishes for yourself after death. In one of our workshops, we practiced with a, with a body, just how to, how to dress it, how to move it, because these things are... It's good to know how to do these things. And I thought, well, who can I ask to be a dead body? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll be the dead body. I had no idea what incredible experience that would be because I had volunteered. I also thought about what I wanted with my body leading up to death and then after death, so this was shared with the group, and it was my wishes were carried out. I was laid in a bed of cedar boughs,
0: oh, like a dress rehearsal I
1: was sang to like there's people in this community that can sing so beautifully and i i because i'm aware of the threshold choir i had people singing while they were tending to my body it was beautiful i had no idea unfortunately covid happened immediately after that so our next workshops we didn't do with live dead bodies but I would (laughs) encourage everybody to to have that experience it really for me it really made death seem a little less intimidating knowing how lovingly my body would be cared for and that it would go back to the earth I, I know Mary Oliver has a line in one of her poems that I think is so beautiful I thought the Earth remembered me. She took me back so tenderly.
0: Oh, I remember that one, yeah, yeah, I suppose there are some limits on what we can do with people's last wishes. i mean if someone someone wants to be floated out to sea in a burning Viking rowboat, we probably can't do that, can we?
1: No, and and it's good to be realistic because, uh, you know, when when somebody says, oh, just put me in the compost heap, it's like, that's not really an answer.
0: That's not helpful in any way. Well, so, we could build a compost heap in the grave in the cemetery and then put you in the compost in the grave. But, yes. But we can't put you in the garden compost Exactly. Heap, right? Exactly. So, yeah, to, to know...
1: I guess not to skirt the issue. I think some people come up with these elaborate plans just to skirt the issue <laughs> that they're actually going to be dead someday and their body is actually going to have to be cremated Buried.
0: You can't be buried at sea, eh? Unless you're like really at sea, at sea. That's right. I you can't, can't be taken out in the Strait of Georgia and just sunk. Um, you have to be so many miles from
1: shore. Uh, I'm pretty so sure. So many th-
0: rules.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they don't want bodies washed up on shore. I mean, people well, say yeah. so many rules, but really. Like-
0: Chicken wire, concrete blocks. Uh-huh. I mean, they uh-huh. know how to do this in Jersey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: The other yeah the other thing I've been learning about is aquamation. It's like fire-based cremation is so environmental resource based. And aquamation is something that is now legal in Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec, but it hasn't become legal in BC yet and it is what it, is, it
0: sounds like some new kind of animated movie. What's what's aquamation? Aquamation, I think the you get anyway, dissolved in water? Yes, you
1: get mm-hmm. dissolved in water. And it's 10% of the environmental footprint of a fire-based cremation. Dissolved Again,
0: as in boiled? And no. Sorry, I have a very no, little amount.
1: T- that's why I'm trying to think of the more scientific term. But actually, it, it's lye.
2: It's so a liquid solution. It's a liquid it's solution a lie? with
1: lye. They do it with pets in BC. They've been doing it with pets in BC for years but not with humans so you get put in a a container it's gently heated it's not it's not boiling and it gets swished around
0: (laughs) they put it on agitate (laughs) delicates yeah Yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) And then you
1: end up with soft bones. And when people think of cremated remains, they refer to them as ashes, but they're, they're not ashes. The cinders, more like. No, they're, they're ground up bones because yeah. that's all that's left from the cremation process. And apparently grinding the bones is quite hard in a fire-based cremation because now you really harden the bones. And with aquamation, you have soft bones and it's much easier to. And again, the, the family gets the bone fragments which is what we call ashes. And in the industry, it's called cremated remains.
0: Cremains. Cremains, (laughs) yes. But that's, again, a pretty industrial process. So is fire-based cremation. And you're not allowed... Cremation is another of those things. You're just not allowed to do that yourself. You can't make a big bonfire on the beach and be cremated by your friends with a big party and stuff. No,
1: and it's a good thing because... It takes a lot of a lot of wood to cremate. I mean, apparently we're, I don't know, 75% water. Yeah. It's, so water-based cremation just makes so much more sense when you think about how much water is in our bodies. But here, I mean, and, and for urban centers, cremation makes sense. Here on Cortez and Quadra, I mean, there's obviously more factors than... There, there's a lot of compelling reasons why people would choose one thing over another.
0: And you can only legally be buried in a accredited cemetery, right? You can't. You can't say, "Oh, I want my remains taken out in the bush and buried in grandmother' grove." That's right. You That's can't. That's not legal. If, if yeah. you
1: want it on your own property, if you want your your body buried on your own property, then you need to get your property or that part of your property designated as a cemetery. And that's quite a process. And then it's on the land title, it's a cemetery, so that it's always a cemetery.
0: There's <laughs> that perpetuity thing again. Yeah, there's the perpetuity, yes. It's so strange. Yes. It sounds like it could be a very sneaky form of nature conservancy. You just <laughs> take your acreage and declare it a cemetery and... Well, that's that's, it. That's kind of what they did on Denman Island. They ran out of
1: room in their existing cemetery and they looked across the road, and there was some land owned by the Land Conservancy that had been recently clear cut. And they decided to take those two, the two intentions of both their groups, and combine them. So now there are people buried in the Land Conservancy land. And yes, on Salt Spring, that's basically what they did. Fourteen acres, they've declared the whole thing as a cemetery and a forest management project. Now that's interesting. That's
0: interesting, and it costs $5,000 for a plot. And mm-hmm. here they're free. Why is the thing <laughs> that comes to mind, but you can't tell me that because you don't know. So Well, like I can $5, tell you $5, that. $5,000 for that. a plot? $5,000? Yeah,
1: it costs a lot to... This perpetuity thing.
0: (laughs) And do join us tomorrow at 3 p.m. for the fifth and final episode of this special series, A Conversation About the Cortez Death Care Collective. Just a reminder, the views and opinions heard on this program are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio, its board, its staff, its membership, or any granting agency but are those of the writer, producer, and guests. And as always, thanks for listening.
2: Thank you.